Welcome to the Legacy Church Online Campus Podcast. Each week we upload the worship and messages from our online community stream right here as an audio version of those services so that you can be a part of the community wherever you are. In today's episode, we're talking about how the cross didn't force God to love us. So stick around for that, but first, let's get into worship.
favor in providence flow I know I'm filled to be emptied again The seed I received I will sow I come out of agreement With the lie that you have left me on my own I am not alone I come out of agreement With the worry and the fear I've come to know No, they won't have a hold on me Protector You never, never, never let me go You said you wouldn't leave me And you won't into agreement with the truth that you are who you say you are I can trust your heart I come into agreement with what heaven has declared over my life cause I know that you'll fight for me protector you never
No darkness, no evil will tease or torment me. No weapon, no worry will prosper against me. No darkness, no evil will tease or torment me. All power, dominion to one name is given. My fortress, my freedom, my refuge, my Jesus. All power, dominion to one name is given.
confidence I have this hope As an anchor for my soul The will was torn And my vision was made whole Now I see Only victory
with me, then you probably know that I have an intense love for reading. Around age 11, I really discovered that books could take you far, far away from where you were. Instead of the small town of Tennell, I was exploring all over the world, or even fantasy worlds. Okay, especially fantasy worlds. You know, now that I think about it, all those other worlds were also made up of small towns. Anyway, at least I wasn't in my small town. It was a different small town for a bit. I really found my first love in reading, and I started to read any book I could get my hands on. One notable occasion, I plopped myself down in my room with a 700-page book and read 100-plus pages a day. I wish I had the ability to focus like that again. Anyway, I started homeschooling around grade 7, and though we went to the public library pretty often, it wasn't really enough to satisfy my thirst for more stories. So one day, I discovered a magical place in our house. It was my sister's older bedroom. <laughs> and on the bookshelf in the corner, she had all her assigned reading from high school. To Kill a Mockingbird and things like that. I began to read all of the books that miserable high school students are required to slog through for fun. <laughs> and in this treasure trove, I found what would become my favorite book of all time. And that's Pride and Prejudice. 
I just found myself in the pages. A girl in a family of five kids like my own, making her way through life and love. I was enamored with the dresses and the balls and the language. And now over 10 years later and many, many read-throughs of many Jane Austen novels, I can identify a few other things that really stood out to me about this classic story. Basically, if you don't know, Pride and Prejudice follows Elizabeth Bennet as she overcomes her slighted pride and assumptions of the pompous nature of Mr. Darcy to discover a bright and fulfilling love. Meanwhile, he is also overcoming his own pride and sense of superiority to learn how to love in the right manner. Now, I know scholars could probably take me to rights for the nuances and social commentary of the day and time, but to me, this is the gist of the story. And here's the point I've always found so interesting. In this story, it's Darcy who first falls in love. From pretty early on in the book, we are made aware of his affections for her bright eyes and wit. Then for the rest of the book, those affections affect his actions and behavior, and not necessarily to win over Elizabeth, but simply because of Elizabeth. And great, now I'm gonna have to go home and reread this again. <laughs> the thing is, this is a beautiful depiction of love, or earthly love, fictional earthly love at that, but there are lessons that we can see here. Darcy's behavior due to his love, Elizabeth's perception of his actions and how it affects her, all of it. See, we often base our understanding of God's love on our understanding of earthly and fictional love. And this isn't necessarily a problem, but it can greatly affect our faith journey because one of the deepest revelations we need as children of God is a revelation of the love of our Father God. This is a really simple statement that on the surface, it seems very easy, but it can be one of the hardest truths that we grapple with as a believer. How we accept, reject, or even just view the Father's love will hands down touch every aspect of our faith journey, no cap. So let's dig into this simple, but oh so complex truth. And it really is the perfect time to talk about this as we are barreling into February, which could be argued is the love month. June may be for brides, but hearts are everywhere right now, so suck it, June. Over the next few weeks, we are asking the question, what's love got to do with it? Today, I want to specifically examine what God's love for us has to do with it. I know this, again, feels really easy. It feels like there's an easy answer here. And maybe it is easy for you. But in my experience, love is a tricky thing to pin down and really understand. Easier said than done. And it's worth taking time to talk about. We will be looking at many kinds of love through the next weeks, but the hard truth is that we cannot truly love anyone without first settling into the Father's love. In fact, you can't grow into what God has for you until you become settled in the knowledge and belief of His love. There is a confidence that comes from the complete trust and acceptance of His love. We need to go beyond the superficial just ideas of love into the deep understanding of unconditional, supernatural love of God. Now, maybe you've had this experience. You've heard someone say, God loves you. And immediately you hear a quiet, but in your head. Maybe it's a very loud, but <laughs> maybe it happened just now when I said, God loves you. Immediately reasons flood your head of why it can't really be a hundred percent true. Limitations and stipulations and even qualifications pop into our minds that try to redefine the love of God, even justify your place in his love. 
And here's the thing though, and it's really, truly baffling. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't add qualifications to make him love you more. You can't add limitations to make him love you less. His love is fully, truly, disgustingly pure and true. And this is seemingly a very simple concept. And this is why it's so hard for brains to wrap around. God's love has never been, nor will ever be an earthly love. It isn't natural as we know it, but it is his nature. I wanna look at 1 John 4. And to me, this is the love chapter more so than 1 Corinthians 13, because it takes love a step further. In this letter penned by the very John who wrote one of the books of the gospels, here he drives home the character and nature of the God we serve. 1 John 4, eight through 11 says it like this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, hold up. I know I said I was gonna go eight through 11, but just one second. We have to stop here. There is so much to unpack in this scripture alone that we'll come back to it in a later message, but I can't just run over this part. Man, anyone who doesn't know love doesn't know God. John, buddy, that's bold. People don't like that. But you can hear the truth of the statement, right? For how could you know God, truly know him, not just know about him, but know him and still not love his creation as he does. And I mean all of his creation. The truth is you simply can't. You can't know God and not respond in love because God is love. That right there, those three words mean everything. This is our answer to why God's love doesn't look like any earthly love we've known before. God doesn't just have love, he is love. You might be thinking, Tori, semantics, big deal. You're changing one little verb, but my friend, don't you see, by changing that little verb, we are redefining the rules of everything. This can be a world shifting moment if you allow it. Because God's love is not a poor reflection of some ideal of love. It's not a reaction or a response to something done or seen. And that's really the way that some of us view love. It's a response. We love because of this trait that we find nice, or this feeling someone gives us, or this thing happening that causes a good reaction. That's our understanding of earthly love again. But true, real love isn't a response, it's an action. It's an action that prompts and encourages response. See, true, sincere love is purely that. God is love. His state of being is love. All of our notions of earthly love are like little tea candles, the little small ones, and the reflection of the sun. And I, I just can't, it's so good to me. Okay, okay, back to the scripture. There's more to see here. So 1 John 4, 8 through 11. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the preparation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So love is an action that prompts response. God made his love manifest, really made it completely clear and obvious to us by sending Jesus. That's the action of love here. And our response is getting to live through him. The prompt we now have is to receive this love and then we can love others. So pouring out what God has on us, has lavished on us onto others. See, we can't truly love others without receiving the love for God. But with and through God's love for us, we too also can love. The starting point for loving your neighbor as yourself has to start with receiving the love of God. 
Jesus has shown us that all, and I said all, are worthy of love. He didn't come for just some people's sins. He didn't give his life for whites or Republicans or Democrats. We're not separating here. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for our sins. There's no restriction on who God loves. This is how his love for the world was made clear. I want you to hear verse 9 and 10 in the Passion Translation. The light of God's love shined within us when He sent His matchless Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved Him. It was His love, not ours. He proved it by sending His Son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. This is what love is. It was His love, not ours. Because the thing is, we have to get this. He loved us long before we loved Him. He loved us long before we had a salvation moment or got our lives together or made that big mistake or did that huge awesome thing. We were already loved and still are. I heard someone say that we don't have value because Jesus died for us, but that we were valuable because we were made in His image. The same can be said here. We're not worthy of love because Jesus died for us, and now God can stomach us. No, 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 Jesus came for us because we were loved. There's an old hymn um, called Victory in Jesus. And I think it's really fun to sing. And sometimes I just belt it out as loud as I can in our house in my worst Southern accent as an act of love for my husband. As in, I love to see his annoyed face. <laughs> anyway, there's this line in the chorus, he loved me ere I knew him. I actually thought that uh, as a kid, I thought this meant air as an A-I-R, and I was really confused. But it's just an old way of saying before. He loved me before I knew him. He loved me before I was aware of it. In fact, it's his love for me that actually awoke my love for him, kind of like lighting one candle with another. Earlier, I said how you choose to receive or reject God's love will affect every part of your faith. And here's what I mean. If you believe that love is a response, that something has to happen before God can love you, then you will do everything motivated by that need to earn God's love. And you'll never be enough for yourself or the enemy of your soul. If you believe that God's love is earned by right doing or right believing, then you will always have the company of fear that will tell you that what is earned can then be lost. It's this vicious cycle that tents your perspective of God the Father. Suddenly, he's this ominous figure waiting to catch you messing up. Does that sound familiar? It's because some of the church has operated as if we can truly earn God's love. But that's not what John tells us. Even if you see Jesus as the event that made God love you, you still miss the point because you are loved through and through. Before the cross, before you had a chance to earn it, you were made in love. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. But this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 16 through 19. 
When we can come to the place of understanding the totality of God's love, we find a place of contentment and confidence that spurs us on into the things that we call good works. I don't even mean ministry. I mean operating in the fruit of the Spirit, of peace, joy, self-control. I mean loving our neighbors as ourselves and offering up our lives as living sacrifice. We must come to know and believe that love that God has for us. This confidence in the Father spills out into every point of our lives. It's so much easier to trust when you know the one you're trusting will never do anything to harm you. When you know their heart, and yes, we can know the Father's heart. I can love because God first loved me. Have you come to know and believe? Do you feel yourself struggling with the buts of life? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this love that is so beyond our human minds. Lord, that is so beyond the natural idea and the natural concept of love. This love that is complete and true and that we do not have to earn it because we couldn't earn it. But Lord, instead we were made in your heart, made in love and redeemed by Christ to be brought back into love with you. And so Lord, we just say, um, we turn ourselves to you and ask if there's any place that we're struggling with seeing your love as it is, if we're comparing you to our own earthly fathers, if we're comparing you to uh, an idea of fictional love that we've held a value to, then Lord, we just ask for clarity to see you clearly, to see our own worth and our own value from before we ever even had a chance that you already loved us. And so God, we just ask for that complete and total saturation in your love in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's a wrap for this episode. Just a few quick notes before we go. Our community stream happens Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook and YouTube. We are Legacy478 on those platforms, and we would love to get to know you on any of our social media platforms. Find us on Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment saying you came from the podcast. You can also join our Facebook community group, see upcoming events, or become a financial supporter by going to legacy478.info. We'll see you next week. Go and be intentional.